Okay, welcome back. We're continuing, uh, well, finishing off the section on <clears throat> narcissism, narcissists and codependents, and how codependents are basically narcissists, and so on. And uh, so far, this whole time, we've still just been focusing on the problem, understanding the problem. I haven't yet started talking about the solution very much. I did mention self-awareness and self-acceptance, but we're just getting clear on the problem. Once you get clear on the problem, the, the solution is a lot more straightforward, though obviously there's a lot more to say about that as well. So... And we've been focusing largely on the fixer, on the, the compensator, the, <clears throat> the white knight, the person who took the moving towards um, coping strategy uh, to, to get love and, and affection. And um, so now we're going to look at that, that dynamic between the fixer and the predator. In other words, what the aspiring, the aspiring pickup artist and the hot girl, generally, like the hot girl who would... Who would who would be naturally attracted to him in that state, being the narcissist that he is? Who would he attract? Would, a, would an emotionally secure person um, be, be sexually attracted to somebody like that, um, uh, an aspiring pickup artist who's spent a lot of time, not just the guy, like again, there's that first option, the guy who gets it very easily and doesn't need to spend more than a couple of weeks um, learning some of these uh, systems and things, methods, and then just applying them. But I mean the vast majority of men who, if they weren't good with women naturally, they had to learn it, and that process of learning it was more arduous, okay, and included hundreds and probably um, almost a thousand or more approaches before there was the approach anxiety went away and they were, had that effortless natural um, ability. So, or skill set. And that process of that whole time when he's getting those uh, thousands of approaches under his belt is a process of creating a new false self that he hopes would, is actually his true self. Okay, so that's just a quick recap, but also the dynamic now is what we're going to look at. And the fixer and the predator are drawn to each other because they're actually complementary in their dysfunctions. The fixer blames himself for things that go wrong, especially in a relationship, whereas the predator is used to blaming others. So they're a great match, you see. So they'll, they'll generally have chemistry. Fixers love to give without taking. Predators love to take without giving. Fixers feel like they don't have a right to say what they feel. So that's part of the reason why they go blank. They, if they, can't, they don't have anything else to say except what they're feeling at the moment. In fact, many of the times they're not even aware of what they're feeling. They're just literally in frozen. <clears throat> so they don't feel like they have a right to speak their mind. And they become passive-aggressive, they have trouble with assertiveness and all kinds of other things. So anyway, fixers feel like they don't have a right to say what they feel, while predators feel entitled to say whatever the fuck they feel like, whenever the fuck they want. That's very sexy, isn't it? You'll find this dynamic repeated, that the guy, the nice guy, um, aspiring pickup artist, will generally want to be with a woman like that who doesn't give a fuck. It makes him feel very free and liberated, and because it's actually a part of himself he's disowned. And they're obviously a good match because he doesn't feel like he can say anything, really. <clears throat> Fixers have too much of a conscience and are always thinking of other people in relationship, whereas predators have no conscience and are always thinking of themselves in relationships. And by the way, I had during the break, by the way, we've been filming this over two days, and um, in between all of these recordings, we've been doing a lot of talking about you guys here and working with you, and it feels like we've been spending a lot more time on this than we actually have on the recording. But um, one of the things that came up was, can you speak more about the rebel um, uh, alternative or the option, the rebel option. And the thing about the rebel option, is this a good time to talk about that? Uh, yeah, this is a good time to take a small excursus on the rebel option. <clears throat> the rebel will actually be the predator, um, except that if he's, not good, if he's not a pickup artist or if he's not good with women, um, he's actually a poor predator. 
Okay, so <clears throat> here are some ex well, so in relationships, that guy who took the rebel option um, will <laughs> largely be taking advantage of the girls that he's involved with. So, um, or he, he will always put his needs as the top priority, and they have to cater to that to him. And there's a lot of pickup stuff that focuses on being the rebel. So they basically a lot of what I'm going to get to that now. Actually, the fixers who go to pickup learn how to become predators. So one thing that they're going to learn to do is to go hot and cold. This is called push pull. They learn cocky funny, which is another version of push pull. Hot and cold, coquette. Okay, is the is, is the classical name for that style. And girls do that naturally, you know. And so sort of like in their whole monthly rhythm, it's already it's already in there. Hot and cold, and uh, you know the, the drama thing. So guys learn how to create drama. You know, so they, they, they won't call it that, but basically that's what you do when you go push-pull. You create drama, and that makes a girl really interested. It hooks her. All, you know, all drama hooks human beings, by the way. And you don't want a life with no drama. That's also called passion, okay? But when it's good, so you got to understand where the drama comes from instead of just avoiding drama entirely. The guys who avoid, avoid a drama entirely, I know people, know guys like that. They either have no happiness, in they have no relationship, or no relationship with the, where there's love. They might have a fuck buddy or something. Or they get a wife who's far below what they would have showed off. And then they try to keep that on the down low and not let us know how ugly or dowdy their wife is. And um, the reason why he has that wife is because she's easily controlled. Right? Because, well, you know, he's a predator, actually. He's learned to do that. And so the, many of the, here's some examples of rebel thinking. Um, uh, reward good behavior, punish bad behavior. And they take the punishing bad behavior as really punishing. Well, obviously, this is, and always try to be in the one-up. I've been guilty of actually teaching these things. <laughs> um, and they actually strengthen the rebel in his cause. Um, have shit going on that's not about her, and don't compromise and meet her, you know, on what she wants. Make her come to you. So these are good tactics for picking up chicks. These are good seduction tactics. But what they do is they just strengthen the rebel in his own neurosis. And it moves him further away from real connection. Um, I've known rebels right now who are in relationships, and the woman has to be uh, basically a nurse caretaker type of figure. She's got to basically be his mother um, and really understanding. And if this guy, like you can be a rebel and still be a good person. I'm not, I don't want to paint them as all predators. But the predator is an extreme rebel. Okay, so, but you can have a rebel, and the rebel often throughout his life, a rebel who's a good person, throughout his life will be looking for escape. So this guy usually will be like countercultural. So um, maybe he's done some drugs, some alcohol. Uh, maybe he's had, has a criminal record. Uh, maybe he's gotten in some fights. These are all ways of the rebel acting out his um, childhood coping strategy to say, fuck you to the, to the man. The real man is his dad or mother. Um, or being a pimp. So... Um, a lot of the criminals obviously took the rebel route. And they might have, you know, a criminal with a heart of gold and all that, but his coping strategy is preventing him from actually connecting with other people. But who would, who would be a great wife to this guy? Or, you know, a great mate? Would be a woman who's used to sacrificing. Who am I describing, this woman who's sacrificing? The fixer. So, in fact, the rebel is the predator, and the fixer is going to be the girl, right? And so, um, it, the rebels who suck with women, they're generally just having to learn how to manipulate people better. Okay, so it's just a poor predator. Then you teach them how to manipulate people better, and they get really good at that. It comes easier. It'll come, game will come definitely easier to the rebel than it would to a fixer <clears throat> or an achiever or a pleaser because um, it's already sexy just to be the rebel. Like the, and, and then they'll, what they'll do is they'll activate a lot of girls who have um, abandonment issues <clears throat> because of their normal pattern of being. They'll, they'll won't, like the, the rebel dude won't be very um, responsive over a text message to her. 
and um, will be very liberal at punishing. <laughs> you know, why, whether that's like actively lashing out or just disappearing. The rebel loves ghosting, but it comes easily for him. The rebel loves acting out as well. Like if he wants to show his temper, he can do that too. And just not give a fuck. He cannot give a fuck very easily. And that's a, that's a very attractive thing, actually. That'll hook people, codependents in. <clears throat> so codependents will really pair well with this person. They can actually have a stable relationship if they're aware of their coping strategies and they just don't take them too far. So you get a, a nice, a well-meaning rebel in therapy, right? And then you get a well-meaning codependent in therapy, and they can have a relationship that is sustainable if the two of them realize that they shouldn't exploit the other one too, poor, too badly. Like, so the rebel knows he shouldn't take advantage of the nurse caretaker wife too much. And the nurse caretaker wife real, also has a ton of patience for the rebel and knows that he's just doing this because he's been hurt by dad or mom. So she doesn't take it personally. And she lets him cool down. And when he cools down, they can make love together again and they just go back to normal stasis, right? So this, this, can, this can actually work. Um, but uh, they, it takes two very, very mature people. And they have to basically be so secure that, in fact, they only activate their rebel strategies or, care, or codependent strategies under great duress. Okay, so, and that could be, you know, as they get more and more mature, that will be less and less. Um, but if you're just a full-on rebel and you're not even aware of any of this stuff, forget it. You will destroy every relationship you're in. The same goes to the codependent. You will destroy it the opposite way. The rebel will just basically totally neglect the wife over time and take, it, and take advantage of her time and effort. Take it for granted um, and put himself first. You know, my work comes first. Your needs are not as important. My needs come first. And um, that will just obviously over time, unless she's a true victim, unless she's like, Victim to the core. Eventually, you will lose all respect for her if you're the rebel. And you, you'll probably act out if you get some free time and go fuck some other strange stuff instead of her. And then, she'll, you know, then she will go find the, the woman up group and post about how to get him back in. <coughs> the rebel generally don't, won't give a fuck until she finally gets a new guy and then he's broken up because now his hold over her is gone and he doesn't feel so up anymore. And now he comes to the group like defeated because he lost the game. So um, it's dangerous being a rebel, even though you get lots of perks, sex, and other things more easily, your own money, like creating, prioritizing your career, prioritizing yourself. Um, so one thing that'll happen is, and I'll, I'll describe it, like I might as well get into it now, <clears throat> is the guys who find pickup can be rebels, but more often they are white knights with caretaker values being taken advantage of, or codependents, or guys who chronically put women on pedestals, or guys who have investment issues with their mothers, or guys with fathers who are weak or distant or narcissistic themselves. Those are all very different, by the way, a weak father, a distant father, a narcissistic father, but they're all going to uh, basically end up with a, they're all going to create a boy who has uh, connection issues, vulnerability issues, or guys uh, who are, grew up with parentified children. Um, who I grew up as parentified children. That was like helicopter parents who didn't let them fall and you know, became overprecious with them. And generally guys who have low self-esteem. They had a faulty coping strategy that required them to surrender their own needs and um, their own emotions and accept all of these and accept as true um, that they need to meet the needs of another person to feel happiness themselves. <clears throat> so when they discover pickup and game, it's like, woohoo, it's possible. That's right. So what, what happens is the pickup the game covers over the symptoms of the, uh, of the uh, fixer by overcompensating as a predator, right? So he goes from guy who keeps getting taken advantage of, like nice guy, you know, really kind of ashamed of his thoughts and so on. And he swings over the whole other way and he learns how to be the rebel. 
Like we literally make you a bad boy. I love this tattoo, by the way. It's my dad's writing. Love it. <laughs> but you know, all of this, this is just this is stuff I, you would never have seen me do when I was, whatever, 10, before I discovered game, whatever, 15 years ago. Right? Everything that I am right now is a mixture that I would never have spoken like this, I don't think. It's hard to remember how long. That was a long time ago. Um, but then again, I am a son of a preacher, so this is sort of like preaching, right? So I'm very comfortable with this sort of thing. But um, a lot of... So what will happen is, as you get better with game, you're going to learn how to be a bad boy, but a bad boy with heart, which is very rare, actually, right? So, you, you know, you go in there, you're sexy, you don't give a fuck, you look hot, you're taking care of your body, or you, you're very proud of your body. You don't actually have to take care of your body. I have seen fat dudes who are smooth as fuck with girls, right? So, <clears throat> yeah, you, you know, as long as you're proud of it. Um, and, and, and they don't, so I said they don't, they don't give a fuck already, right? So, so they're just, this is, the, this is the stereotypical, oh, and he's adventurous, he's a risk taker, He's fast on his, he thinks quickly, even though he may, he may be taciturn. He might be one of those tough, silent guy, bad boys. And they would have to look really good for, to pull that off, actually. It's a, it's a myth that the uh, uh, Clint Eastwood bad boy is actually really sexually attractive. If he's hot, it's, a, it's, it's hot. But that's just like a, um, a tautology, right? <laughs> if he's hot, he's hot. Right? But um, uh, being the, si the, big, the big buff silent guy rarely gets girls um, unless he's really good looking. So he would have got them, I guess, if he was good looking already. I guess it's better to not speak at all than to have a nasty tonality. I guess is what I'm, I'm getting to. Right? So if you ended up talking like this, you're this really big guy, and you're like, something like this. It's just like, you know, um, unless she's once a cute pet. There was that, like, superhero in Ragnarok, the stone guy. You guys know what I'm talking about? Who's seen Ragnarok? All right, you guys, you guys are cool. <laughs> Ragnarok was great. <laughs> you guys remember that guy's name? No one remembers, right? The stone guy. And he's like... Yeah, so in other words, you have a really close connection with that, you know, that, that guy. So imagine a big, huge guy with that voice, right? That's not very sexy. But anyway, so what happens is these guys who aspire to learn game, they take on a new ideal. It's not the ideal of self-sacrificing so I can get love. It's a new ideal. They're now learning new patterns of behavior and thought. Patterns of behavior and thought that I've been guilty of teaching in the past and I have gone through myself several years of inculcating in myself and then several more years, I guess, of, well, not most, and then an overlapping several more years of teaching it, which is the narcissistic ideal of the mythical alpha male, the ultimate man. In fact, we even made a program called the Ultimate Man University. Remember that one? Oh, God. The mythical alpha male, the ultimate man who always has a cocky, funny answer to anything. The guy with the arrogant swagger. The, that leader of men who makes women swoon with just a gaze, the guy who's the life of the party, et cetera, et cetera. We can keep describing this over and over. We just pull out any kind of um, sales stuff from any of these places. Now you want to be that guy. Oh, um, who's working with Adam? Somebody, so Adam liked to say, uh, um, the guy that all girls want and every man wants to be, or something like that. All guys want to be and all girls want. He even made it as a T-shirt. That guy, narcissist, that's a narcissist, narcissistic ideal, right? It's all just about me, and I finally, when I am the man that all men want to be and all women want, I, I'm doing the tits thing. I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> and now, I, right, now I'm the big shit, right? Now I can, now I'm, now I, now I can be proud of myself, right? Tra and then they basically, what they've done is they traded one narcissistic ideal for another. 
they switch faulty coping strategies. Look, dudes, let me make it, I gotta keep bringing, every slide I gotta keep bringing it back to pickup, being very aware of who I'm talking to here. Eventually this will stop and I can't wait for it to stop, but just in case you're watching, this is the message to the pickup boys, um, or the game guys, or the little boys still learning about how to, how to do this. And I, I say this, I guess that might have sounded pejorative, but I, I've been there, of course. Um, so uh, it would have been, you could have gotten girls by being your nerdy self. You could have gotten girls by being your fat self. You could have gotten girls by being, well, fat is actually, it's good for you to lose fat. Actually, that's a bad example. Uh, you could have gotten girls by being your shy self. You could have gotten girls by being whatever the fuck you were ashamed of and thought you were, you couldn't have gotten girls by being. You could have gotten, you could have gotten that happiness that way. We could have, you know, you could have learned fashion. That's not like generally a false self issue. <laughs> you could have dressed better. You could have become more fit. And that's a good thing. This is just good health. Could have gotten more energy. And you could have stayed with your, your persona, your personality, well, at least the one that you came with. They're all, they can all be attractive. Can they be attractive to the club chicks? Well, what I'm saying is a lot of these club chicks are predators. Would you like to be attractive to a predator? In that case, just be a needy guy who has a lot of narcissistic things about him. Then you're a good victim and she'll take you. It's like a vampire will take a nice big human with lots of blood to give. And that'll be you. But could Mark Zuckerberg be attractive without having to learn game? Could Bill Gates, would you want to change Bill Gates even though he talks kind of nerdy? I wouldn't want to change any of these guys. I would, and those are easy examples because I know you guys look up to people like this. Elon Musk, for instance, is geeky as fuck. But you can see he's, he, he wants to be, I mean, if he had the time and the inclination, he could learn to pick up chicks. And you're thinking, they're all rich, they don't need to. Okay, guess what? What about Mark, what about any of these guys before they became rich, when they were teenagers? You know, Elon being bullied, I'm sure they were all bullied to some extent. Um, all these, you know, computer nerds were. Um, taking that guy as a 14 year old. And you could, so I get dads. Now I've been working in the field so long that the guys I used to work with are now dads and asking me, telling me, I'm so proud of the things I've done here because now I can teach my kid how to text this girl. You know, because his son is 14 now. <laughs> and I said, well, luckily I'm still in the field so I can share things like this. And I said, what did you tell him to text? And he's like, well, this thing, he, he was going to text. But that is like actually going to be revealing, like, so instead I'll text this thing. It's fun. It's cheeky. Basically, it's a very superficial text. It's just fun playboy guy, right? So I'm like, yeah, that'll work. But what you're teaching him is his true self is not attractive. His true self is not sexually attractive. That's what we all learned. Instead of making the nerdy boy more confident, instead of making the fat boy more confident, instead of making the short guy more confident, you know, instead of making whatever insecurity that you happen to have and making you more confident, more proud of yourself and not being ashamed of any part of you, not being ashamed, no shame, just putting it out there. Instead, thinking you have to change yourself Change your thoughts, change your beliefs, change your words, change your look, change everything. Instead of and doing that because you think it will get girls, not because you want to get that, even if it doesn't get you girls. Because there are a lot of things that you should learn. Lose fat, gain muscle, those are all nice things to have. Um, reduce your uh, resting heart rate, those are all great things. But if you're doing that to get girls, because you heard that girls like that and now you're gonna do it, well then what you're doing is you're going down the path of a narcissistic false self that you're putting on. <laughs> So just make that clear, right? They're switching faulty coping strategies. One bad coping strategy was to kiss ass and please everybody in the hopes of getting love. 
And that's the nice guy, friend zone. And then the, you'll get burned so bad, you finally go on the internet, learn some game, and swing the other way and be an asshole. And you're all like, that's not going to be me. I, never, I've, I too said, I never thought of myself as an asshole until I looked back in soberness and realized tacit approval where you're seeing multiple women, but you only tell when they ask you, that's an asshole. And guess what? Every single pickup coach that I'd ever known for four or five years were doing it that, like that. There were only one or two exceptions. These were older guys. At that time, when I was in my mid-30s, they were already in their 40s. So these are older guys, and they've been around the block, as I have now, and now I have the curves, and I don't give a fuck. And that's a good thing if you don't want to be in it, because it will cause more drama down the road. But, you know, when you're a mid-30s guy, you don't understand any of that when you just started out. So you're like, okay, everyone else is doing tacit approval. I'll do it. But you're an asshole. I was an asshole. I shouldn't have done those things. And looking back, they caused a lot of drama. But again, obstacles away, so now I learned the lesson. Passing it on to you. I don't know if you want to go through all that. Maybe obstacle is the way for you too. But you can make my obstacle your way. How about that? So they traded the faulty strategy of, of the pleaser to take on the faulty strategy of the faulty copy strategy of the narcissist. And now the PUA journey is all about pursuing narcissistic goals to become a narcissistic ideal and then to avoid narcissistic injury. The narcissistic goals of getting every girl that you want and getting all the guys to respect you. That's like textbook narcissistic goals. And I'm talking about like not just like, ah, oh, fun narcissism that like they use on the millennials, ah, oh, they're all narcissists. I mean narcissistic personality disorder as defined in the DSM-5 classification. This is like serious stuff. And if you're a natural narcissist, you're, you're probably very dangerous to the people that you know or impossibly to society. Um, and then you, you're trying to go for this narcissistic ideal, which I described earlier, and you're trying to avoid narcissistic injury and then when you get it, the, uh, like being rejected, being dumped, being cheated on, being betrayed by, um, being laughed at, being shamed, or you interpret it as shame in some way, all of those things are, are the death, are death to the, the, the uh, pickup artist. But what happens is, they don't know any of this, of course. I didn't know any of this when I embarked on this journey. What happens is, the nice guy, compensating nice guy, compensates with narcissistic patterns, which is all that which is what POA is all about. Game is teaching you how to be a narcissist. Uh, narcissistic thoughts, behaviors, principles, uh, and, and putting yourself first, not giving a fuck, all that stuff, right? And they, the turn of the POA is where they begin to prey with self-loathing on female fixers. Right? So I uh, hinted at this earlier. What will happen is over time, you're going to date these nice girls, who are, to you, they're nice, sixes and sevens. When you're starting out, you know, because you're not able to, to get the nines and tens yet, for your nines and tens, right? And just even, even rating women is, is like something that only narcissists do. You know? But anyway, um, praying, and then when you do it, you have self-loathing in yourself, like self-loathing unconsciously. And that's what you're projecting or introjecting, or actually, it's, uh, that's what you're in, in, feeling uh, on the female fixers. And then the whole time you're searching for the female the females that would excite you, that you consider to be a nines and tens. However, what you consider to be nines and tens that will really get you excited. And again, remember, the conscious and the unconscious mind come apart. So I just told that story about the, the dating coach is looking at, you know, the dating coach is looking at two women, one who's the good girl, one who's the bad girl, and he finds himself inexorably drawn to the bad girl. And this is the search for that female bad girl, the wild girl, the one who's different from you. And this will always turn out to be, well, almost always turn out to be some kind of predator. The only exception would be somebody like me, a female version of me, who, in other words, had 
had, was a good person, I, I think I'm a good person, a good heart, took on various coping strategies, one of which was to be a club you know, rat or whatever, like a wild child. Um, in my case, bad boy of some kind, right? And then, but that was not, that was a relatively recent false self, given all the other false selves in my life. So I can retire that one. I can retire the bad boy. If you meet a woman, well, almost all the wild girls are to some extent, um, uh, all the bad girls are to some extent a, a false persona. It's a persona. But if she's inhabiting that as if it were her true self, um, then uh, there's, no, there's, no, there's no way out of that right now. But if you meet a girl who triggers that reaction in you as a coping guy, as a co compensating fixer, she's the hot, wild one, sort of like the manic pixie dream girl that I'm not going to cover here with you guys, but I've covered that in other places. And she's like exciting you. And, but she's gone through therapy. She knows that this is, that she attracts guys like you. She knows why she attracts guys like you because you're a fucking fixer. And she... She feels sorry for you. She just feels empathy for you. And she's on her own journey of discovery. And um, she's, not, she's no longer fully the manic pixie dream girl anymore. She's now becoming more mature. But she can be the manic pixie dream girl. And she activates that enough in you that you get really excited. Well, that's how it could happen and actually be a mature relationship. Otherwise, no. All of the predators that you get, all the girls you get attracted to who you consider to be nines and tens in personality will be predators. So, question? Question? The whole time I've just been seeing this in this corner of the room. <laughs> Questions? Okay, maybe you're just thinking about it. Oh, yeah. So, does that mean if, if you're kind of uh, being attracted to particular types of girls because of your neuroses or your white knight, for example, there's no, there's no actual point in kind of seeing the red flags during the interaction because inevitably, Emotionally, you're going to be attracted to uh, the wrong type of girls anyways until you fix it, fix yourself internally. So. Yeah, well, the question is, uh, should you bother paying attention to red flags yeah. when you know that you're fucked up so is, right, and that you haven't done any work on yourself? So every girl, and then you find this out. So then every girl that you're, you find chemistry with, you should just run from. Um, that's a rare case. So... As soon as you find this out, you're already beginning the path of working on yourself. <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me, as you go through therapy, as you go through um, my more advanced courses, <clears throat> and you develop and mature, it's a process. It's not black and white, like suddenly it's not zero, it's not binary, right? So then you, <clears throat> you start off not compensating, but you're working on it. And maybe it takes time because sometimes things trigger you and you go back to it. <clears throat> and um, and the, uh, you don't know if what you're seeing is a, is a reaction to your own neurosis or not. And uh, you might always, you never know whether maybe you ran into the case where, well, I'll give you an example. Um, at the time that I met my wife, I was, uh, I was, well, I still am traveling all the time. Like I don't have a residence, right? So um, when we were dating, I was, like I don't spend more than uh, three weeks in any country. So, um, that, that made it very easy for me to have casual relationships. <coughs> but it also meant that it would trigger her abandonment issues from her father, which she had. Of course, I didn't know that right then, but it made, I very quickly found out, and that made a lot of sense. So this is a familiar feeling with her, so repetition compulsion now kicks in. And then um, what would happen is if I was a real bad boy, 
I would never settle down. I date, continue to date multiple women. I just do all of the things that she fears, but she's attracted to me because, well, I am the bad boy, right? Make sense? You following so far? Great. But unfortunately for her, I'm going, I was going through therapy and I'm more mature now. So while I look like a bad boy, while my lifestyle's a bad boy, I actually give a shit. <laughs> I actually uh, prioritize my highest need love. <clears throat> and it used to be significance. And lucky for her, she didn't meet me seven years ago. Of course, she would have been a lot younger and probably would have been illegal, but. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, anyway, so um, she's lucky. I told her, you're so fucking lucky because you won a lottery in the sense of like, how rare is it to find somebody who's been a professor of philosophy, before that a Christian missionary, and then went into uh, pickup and then did it as a, for a living, <laughs> and then came out of that and is now a therapeutic coach who can then trigger for you all of the bad boy stuff, all of the clubbing stuff, can match you on your clubbing wildness <laughs> uh, and all of the other nasty things that, you know, um, and has that history. And <clears throat> the only downside is I'm old, 41 now. So, you know, I'm going to be the old dude at the primary school. That's what's going to happen, right? <laughs> but everybody else seems to be putting off having kids too, so maybe I'll be all right. <clears throat> but... um that would be, you know, so she's got to keep it up. Like, maybe it's somebody like that. Um, like I said, and I want to do a whole podcast where all I do is repeat the same phrase, basically the same message over and over. Why the fuck do you think it would be easy to find your wife? That's pretty good, right? It's like, nice and get your attention. You all think it should be easy for you to attract a girl. If you are emotionally healthy, you should be super picky. <clears throat> your standards are too fucking low, not too high. Your standards are so low that all she's got to do is have hot tits, a hot ass, and a you know, nice face and done. That's easy when you work in a model agency or you, know, you work in a nightclub or something. Beauty is common. And maybe for you guys or for the person watching here, it's not because you're not surrounded by it. But it is. She's got to go to the place where it is. Just like people who aren't that intelligent, they keep looking for intelligent women. You know, like I can tell some, or not educated. The men, who isn't, men who aren't that educated generally aren't looking for educated women as much. But I get it on the pre-programmed survey, and they say intelligent women. And I know, if you just want an intelligent woman, do you know how easy that is? Just go to fucking Harvard campus. You know, just go to, any, go to Boston. It's got the most university campuses in, in the square radius. I spent all, of, it seems like I spent all of my adult life in fucking universities. I'm just surrounded by people who are just as smart as me, or if not smarter. Actually, most of my friends are smarter than me. So I never thought that it was rare to find intelligence, but that's because I happen to live in university campuses. If you happen to live or work in a model agency, you will never think that beauty is rare. <clears throat> you'll always be thinking, geez, every year there's new beautiful women coming up, and now they keep getting, you know, they, they scout them when they're 14 years old. You know, so, like, it's, it's, it's common. So, in fact, if you're mature, you should be so picky that if you're looking for a one in a million, we're still talking about thousands of women that you could find for yourself that are one in a million for you. <clears throat> why on earth would you think it would be easy to find your soulmate? I mean, like the one woman that you're going to partner with for life and actually produce other human beings out of. That's a big deal. You should think about that more carefully than a business partnership because if you break it and you didn't do the legal work, she gets half your assets of your entire life, not just the business. Like people do due diligence when they enter a business partnership or even just an investment of 10% into something. And they don't even think twice about a marriage. It's just ridiculous. But like, same with relationships. So why? 
I would rather, it would be better for you, again, to lose the girl for, by being your true self than to get the girl by being your false self. It's better for you in the long run, your psychological health and well-being and fulfillment and happiness. Now, that's why I keep thinking, I keep emphasizing, it would be best for you to split apart the sex drive and the ego stroke. Right? Because a lot of guys, they're, they, they, they confuse them and maybe they're just horny. They haven't had sex with a real female, something besides their hand, okay, in, in years. And so, you know, this is a decent looking girl. Uh, she's willing to have sex. She's willing to have sex, so I'll have sex with her. And now she wants to meet again, so I meet again. And then she wants to meet again the next week, so I, I got nothing else going on. And I tried to say no, because I learned that pickup is good, so I go out on Friday and Saturday, and I didn't get any pussy. So on Sunday, she's like, want to meet? And like, we meet. And then that happens, and he's, he, he keeps striking out on Friday and Saturday. And then, and then Sunday, she's still willing. Do you keep that up for two months? Now he's in a relationship. And then fast forward a year and a half, and the whole thing falls apart because his standards were too low. It would have been better for him to say no to the sex because he confused it. There's nothing wrong with the sex. I would wish that there were another alternative for him to find the sexual gratification that's separate from the ego. <clears throat> And there is. It's called the oldest profession in history. <laughs> but, you know, I understand all the, well, I kind of understand all the moralism, especially if you have religious beliefs. Um, but from an evolutionary perspective, well, maybe you just need to find, to go to a more uh, liberal place <clears throat> and um, find more liberal women who just want other fuck buddies themselves. That's happening at a very quick rate. More and more women are acting, are taking on male mating strategies. <clears throat> So back to it, right? So acquired predators, and that's now the pickup artist. He's now an acquired predator. He learns to be a predator. He learns to trigger these things in, in uh, other people. Who reacts to that? Two types. Natural predators, because they smell bigger prey, and uh, female fixers. The acquired predator needs someone more narcissistic to feel fulfilled and to feel chemistry. He needs someone more narcissistic, more selfish, and more emotionally manipulative than themselves. Because he's, what he's really used to is the fixer, but he's compensating by pretending to be a narcissist predator. Well, or he's, actually, he's a narcissist through and through, but he's trying to be a predator. When they were fixers, it was easy to find people more selfish than themselves. Right? Because everybody was taken from them. So they, it was easy for them to find chemistry at all different levels of narcissism, from the mild to the pure. But now acquired predators are higher up the predator, predatory ladder themselves. They're higher up the food chain. So the only people who can now generate chemistry for them are pure predators, or natural predators, the big predators, the, the more dangerous ones. And um, if you have not yet encountered cluster B personality disorders, if you have not yet encountered female psychopaths, well, if you hang around in clubs long enough, you will. And you probably wouldn't even know that you are. And then you'll, you'll get really hurt, and then you'll figure it out. But um, again, if you're a total newbie, just go to the noob stuff and then come back two years later. Um, what's the difference between an acquired versus pure predator? An acquired predator, when he comes into a relationship with a pure predator, will eventually crumble over time. The acquired predators eventually fall into a vicious cycle that is even worse than before. <clears throat> and here's an example of how you can fall into the predator, female predator's trap. And you might see this sometimes in the comments in Man Up. Um, <clears throat> 
And uh, so they, they'll say, yeah, she's a bitch. Here's an example. The goal of the bitch is to dominate, control, and destroy a man's ha- finances, his mental health, his self-esteem, take half his resources, and, and, and to destroy his happiness. But doesn't matter. I banged her. <laughs> right, that's her. Bang the bitch and drop her. Pump and dump. Right, that's the, that's the jock dude, you know, frat boy. Response, right? And in fact, he's falling right into the trap of the pure predator. She doesn't give a shit about giving you her pussy. You think that you got something from her that she cared about, her pussy. In fact, all she cared about from you was you thinking, was your admiration, your, your wanting to fuck her pussy. You thinking she's a hot girl. That's all that she cared about. So she's going to be one of those people who's not going to be really into the sex too much. But that's, that's, that's the, uh, the trap that a lot of guys, guys fall into. I tell them, don't fuck your ex just because she wants to. You're going to fall, get attached again and get back into that cycle. And I tell dudes who tell the guy, she's got a crush on her. She will, <laughs> she will never get into a relationship with him. She'll never actually meet his needs emotionally that he has, which is funny because now in the modern world, this flip, the script's been flipped, right? Now a lot of girls are taking advantage of guys for casual sex, and the guys don't want that. They want a committed relationship, which is, wow, what a change just in just 10, 15 years. Anyway, the, the guys like, the, there are all these jock dudes who are like, just bang her and leave. Bang the hoe and go. And I'm like, as soon as you stick your dick in there, you've already compromised yourself. Because if you have feelings for her in any way, because you're old, you know, you actually got attached to her. She's not just a prostitute to you, but you actually got attached to her. You've chosen her out of all these other girls, and you want to see her next Sunday, right? But she just doesn't, doesn't care about the sex. The sex to her is a throwaway. She doesn't really, it's not, she's, she's not giving anything to you. You've, she's already taken from you the narcissistic ego supply. That's what she cares about. The dominating and controlling and destroying a man doesn't come through doesn't come through taking sex from him. It comes from taking all of these other energies from him. His time, his effort, his mental space, his emotions. Um, did you have a question? Oh yeah, what defines the, like, these labels, like predator? Like what would, what would be the characteristics of a predator? Oh boy, so I, I covered it all. Versus someone who's not a predator. Like, you know, obviously there must be continuum. Yeah, I covered this earlier. Um, Can you just remind me, at the extreme end, what what is it? Okay, so so at the extreme end, it's a psychopath. And then less extreme might be some of the, so the less extreme would be histrionic or sociopath, or uh, it depends on how you define sociopath, or there's actually a narcissistic personality disorder. So when I say predator, I actually mean a mean narcissist. Now, there are some narcissists who are, uh, who, who aren't that mean yet because they're not powerful. And those are, those are the nice guys who are starting out in game. They're, so the, the narcissist, narcissism is more important than predator. Predator is just a nice word that I use to wake you up, to wake up your imagination. So <clears throat> there, it's just a, a nasty narcissist versus a nice, a seemingly nice narcissist, a harmless narcissist. The harmless narcissist is the guy who begins game. Okay, and it's two sides of the same coin, the codependent and the narcissist. That's why I kept saying, Watch out when he learns some game. Stay away from that guy. You know, I, I spent all this time helping them out, and then and I create a beast, a monster. So watch out. Watch out for a talented Mr. Ripley. You know, you might have created a shark. Because they were starting out already craving attention, admiration, approval. And now they were harmless because they didn't know how to get it. Now you've shown them how to get it. And now they're, now they're predatory narcissists. That's what game shows them. It gives them the tools to predate, to actually be predatory. But they were always narcissists. 
right? The codependent. And, and the extreme version is um, a predator with no conscience, right? and that would be the psychopath. Um, so that the extreme, it's a, it's a cluster B, like I've said before, DSM-5 classification on that. <clears throat> okay, so POAs actually make it worse, because POAs blame themselves for what goes wrong in interactions. They blame themselves far more than non-POAs, and they even blame themselves a lot more than regular fixers. So when you're a regular fixer, you're like, something goes bad, and you're like, oh, I guess you didn't like me. Guess that's not for me. When you're a POA fixer, on the way to becoming a pure predator, you're like, what did I do wrong? How can I improve myself? What's wrong with me that I have to change, David? Tell me so I can do it. Oh, wow, okay. So this, you're perfect. POA is a perfect exploitation device for compensatory narcissists. <clears throat> POAs blame themselves to a higher degree because they think every outcome in a social interaction should be under their control. Remember that myth I talked about earlier, the third myth. <clears throat> And they think that the good, good interactions are solely the responsibility of the man. They walk up to the girl, and they expect that they need to have something to say to impress her, rather than hold them back and like, why aren't you impressing me? Like, to give you an example that's trivial that hopefully will make you laugh, and then that will jog, that will, that will jig your, your, your mind. That will give you a new insight. Hopefully. We'll see. I doubt it, because I'm not very good at telling jokes. But um, what was it? I can't even fucking remember what it is now. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, right. So some people come up to me and they they like David, what's up? You know, and I'm you know I fly around so much I don't know. And then I'm like, oh hey man, and I'm like trying to remember this guy's name. Like hey 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 yeah right. And then he's like, you know, you, and girls will do this to to me like, but before like they'd be like, you don't remember my name, do you? I'm like oh man. And then I was like, that was happening ten years ago, and I would feel bad for not remembering her name. Now when that happens, I look at them like, nope, don't remember your name. What's your name again? They don't want to tell me. That's on them. They weren't memorable. Get it? It's not that I didn't remember. It's that if you were memorable, I would have remembered. Why don't you feel bad for you? Why would you get mad at me? You weren't memorable. When I go up to somebody and you don't remember my name, I don't go like, you fucking dick. That would be so narcissistic, wouldn't it? That's why I told you when you go to the bouncer, don't expect them to remember your fucking name. Say, hey, Ted, David, man, good to see you again. Give it to them three days in a row. Don't ever expect them to remember your name. Who the fuck are you? <clears throat> so who the fuck are you? So here's another thing, right? <clears throat> when you're in a conversation and the girl, you can't think of anything to say, why is it your fault? Here's what a really cool guy does. Here's what a natural does. And let me, let me trigger all of you compensatory narcissists who are still here who have not yet understood a single word I've said and I've seen this. It's scary. But if you haven't understood this, I know not to open up to you. And I know to keep you at arm's distance because you cannot be trusted because you're probably a, a, a nasty narcissist once you get the skills. So let, let that sit. <clears throat> and you can see this drama happening in the POA world over the years, all the infighting. It's just pathetic because they're all actually just narcissists. So I'll talk to you about this. Here's how to get a girl to like you more. Here's a technique that's very easy, that is fast, easy, effortless, and simple. In, and I'll give it to you in a step-by-step -step format for free. When, you know, so here's the mindset shift. When you go blank in a conversation, you say, entertain me. S simple as that. Or you could say, say something. <laughs> Why the fuck is it your job to impress like a dancing monkey? What do you got? 
If you're a normal human being and you sit down next to somebody who doesn't look great, do you feel a lot of pressure to make conversation happen? Generally not, unless you need something from them, right? Like it's your boss's wife, you, know, you feel like you have to impress them, whatever, right? Whatever. But that's always in a weaker position. But if it's just another human being that you don't know in a bar, sits down and starts talking to you, some other dude, do you feel a lot of pressure? Now, there might be some people who do, just general social anxiety. Great. <clears throat> well, that we, now that's really obvious to you that that's a, that's a therapy issue, right? That if, if you're like, oh, what do I say to this fat old ugly dude next to me? Well, then you have self-worth issues. But if it it's obvious, it's more obvious when it... Um, <coughs> It's less obvious, I should say, when it comes up only with women that you're sexually attracted to. <clears throat> right, then, why is it your job? I'll tell you why you believe that. Why is it natural for you to think it's your job? I've already told you about five times, and let it sink in now. Okay, hopefully now. Anchor you, hypnosis. <laughs> How fast? How fast? <laughs> okay, why is it that you naturally think it's your responsibility to hold down the conversation and to make it fun and interesting. Because you're a fixer. Because you're a pleaser, you're a white knight, all those other terms I could use to describe it. Makes sense, right? Great, this is what you've been doing since you were a child and you didn't even know it. Why? Because you just thought that this was the norm. This is how you get mommy and daddy's approval. You, you become a good kid. Now some of you are a rebel. Some of you just don't, you're a rebel but you just don't know how to manipulate people very well. You're just like that bad rebel. You're just like, fuck you and you don't get anybody following you. Right, so you end up being the, the bit player in the, in the game. Now you learn how to manipulate people, right? So now you can, you can, you can fuck around with people. And now you probably, you probably don't go blank very much in conversations, but sometimes you do because you have debilitating insecurities that you paper over and hide with rebel strategies that actually aren't your dominant strategy. You're just doing that out of pain. Anyway, so then you, you figure out pickup and you learn that as a technique. You say to them, say something. Or you say, Okay, your turn, entertain me now. All right, like, are you just a cute face or do you have anything going on in there? And she'll be like, what? And she'll like, and if you hold it down with the stare and you do not move, you're just like, she'll be like, well, um, I, uh, I went to Phuket last week. And you're like, oh, interesting, tell me about it. All right, and now you're like, see, I just gave away a little thing. Now, the predator narcissist is going to use that as a manipulative tool to further take advantage of people. <laughs> right? So I fed the beast. And now it's like, ah, this monster, out of control. What happens? Well, what will eventually happen is, and I'm not, I guess, not that worried about it, because eventually he was going to run into a pure predator. If he gets good, I mean, some guys will never be able to hold, do this tactic because they have so much inner conflict in their minds. Um, but if they are able to pull it off, because maybe you were a rebel before, or maybe you just have a lot of conditioning, well, eventually you'll meet a natural pure predator. And this, you'll do this by becoming, you can, you can meet one by becoming a guy who blames himself even more than your average fixer for the, for the interaction. And the PUA would attract the type of woman who blames others more than your average predator. and has even less accountability. Right? So if you blame yourself more than the average fixer, because the average fixer would be like, oh, I guess she's not into me. Not for me. And the, the POA is like, shit, I got to go and write a field report so I can figure out what went wrong so I can learn that skill set of whatever it is. You know, transitioning or is it texting? Where did I go wrong? And he's even more blaming himself than the average fixer. Who do you attract? The predator who blames others even more than the, mid, the, the mild predator. Who is that? The natural pure predator. Okay, so what do you do? Well, 
I'm going to leave you with what do you do, and then we'll, we'll take a longer break. Uh, self-awareness and self-acceptance. I already covered that. Deep emotional awareness. That's what you need to do. Deep emotional awareness. And awareness, just the insight itself, takes you half the way. Okay, so, or maybe, maybe even more than half the way. That's why even though therapists think that educating the public, educating you on what's actually happening won't actually cure you or heal you or help you grow, the smart therapists th realize that just knowing this will at least get you to therapy. Just knowing this will at least help you see that there is a way out. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to educate the public, okay, on, on that there actually is a way out. Because, you know, the, the other thing was like, if this is all true, how come he hadn't heard about it? Well, part of the reason is the profession doesn't want to reveal it to you because they don't, part of them thinks that it doesn't help you. They think that you need to do the emotional work, which is true. But the cognitive understanding helps a lot, especially if you're intellectual. Because if you use like intellect and rationalizations or reasoning as a way of coping with things. Um, so that, that's me <laughs> and most intellectuals. Um, and then self-awareness and self-acceptance, but then go deeper. How do you go deeper? You got to do the grief work. And this is the first time I mentioned that term. So after the break, we'll be starting on grief work and understanding what that is. And you're going to go through a phase. You're going to go through these phases of denial. That's probably, you're, I'm meeting a lot. Most of the people I meet are in denial. So you can see throughout all of these videos, I struggle with the guys who are in denial. But that's stage one, denial. The second stage is anger. And so once you start learning about what, what happened to you, you start to become angry. And I'd like to see that. Right, so there are a lot of guys I work with on Skype, one-on-one -on -one coaching, who are afraid to show me their anger. And then I, it's not recommended for therapy, but I'm not a therapist. So I poke at that raw wound and say, come on, show me the Hulk. Come on, show me what you really feel. And he's holding it down. No, 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 you don't want, you don't want, to, you don't want to know what I'm really feeling. You don't want me to, I, otherwise, we're just being fake. Unless you're willing to be real, what's the point? Like they, you know, they, you know, they're fake when as soon as they come on, they, they start telling you how great life is. <laughs> like, you know, why are we on this call then? But you got to get them to the point where they show, be, show vulnerability, but then they're not willing to go and become vulnerable. And the reason why is because they're afraid of the feeling, the, 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 the tidal wave of emotions that would erupt in them if they let go. And the first emotion that will come out is going to be anger. And then that's quickly followed by um, bar, uh, sadness and bargaining. So ang denial, anger, bargaining, leading eventually to depression. That's good. Depression is an op the obstacle to the way. Well, the obstacle that is the way. And then finally to acceptance and then gratitude. And then growth. And all the time you're growing anyway. So. And then you've got to the whole time be cutting off behaviors and thoughts of both the predator and the fixer within you. To be aware of those, not to do those things. You know, so there's a period in my life when I'm talking to somebody and I know I could just turn it on right now. But if I did, it would awaken that part of me that would not help me right now. So, no, I'm going to be, choose to be boring right now and see whether you can hold the conversation, bitch. <laughs> what do you got? Okay, this is really, you, you're an empty, vapid person right now. <laughs> Let's see. Have you gone anywhere interesting recently? You know, versus screening question. Hey, where have you, <laughs> totally different attitude. Anyway, you start cutting off, and then of course, all of the typical player things, right? Like all the rebel behaviors. <clears throat> On top of this, here are, some, here are some things you should be doing along the way. Meditation. Meditation is helpful to everybody without exception. You know, when I make a school, I'll have meditation for all the 14-year-olds and up. They'll have like shorter bouts of 10 minutes or something, but it'll be 
By the way, if you're just doing seven and 10 minutes, you know, come on, get to 20 at least. And then physiology, be, pay very close attention to your body and uh, the state of your body, including your physical health, okay, and, uh, and everything, your, the sound of your voice, how you hold yourself, how you move, you walk, um, everything. So I, I highly recommend movement coaching if you can find that in your area. Um, but no matter what, fitness and, fitness and health, that's a big um, trend now for most men, so I don't need to focus on that too much. Trying to minimize your life, a more minimalist life, to, to help yourself with more dependence, independence, I mean, and breaking off bound, like binds to things. That's going to be helpful for, for you psychologically. So moving, that's good. Not being tied down to a ton of physical possessions, that's good. That'll all help you transform and grow quicker. Um, and then uh, if you can do any understanding around addiction, understanding mood changers. The predator is addicted to ego, uh, narcissistic fuel, like narcissistic supply. The fixer is addicted to predators. These are all addictions. If you understand the, the psychology of addiction, you'll understand what's happening to you here in this, in this dynamic of male-female mating and dating. Okay, so um, some of the most common mistakes are um, that you don't listen to what I'm saying. That's the most common mistake. The other most common mistake is not listening to this, all of this again. That's the second most common mistake. <laughs> the third most common mistake is not actually applying anything I tell you. That's a horrible mistake. Uh, but we're, we're going to come to the next section on where we're going to be looking at what do you do then? So understanding how to love yourself. Um, understanding uh, how to forgive yourself, how to forgive others. Forgiveness is power. And starting to let go of the need to please and the need to achieve or the need to flee for those who are rebels or the need to hide for those who took the hermit, um, their, uh, the recluse route. Okay, so I'm going to end with a quote from Nelson Mandela. Resentment is this. Resentment. The definition of resentment is poisoning yourself expecting the other person to die. So what, you're, what a lot of guys are doing in trying to become, trying to get that outcome is actually just poisoning themselves, trying to get this other goal. And resentment, of course, so that's why we're going to focus on forgiveness later on as well. So we're going to touch on that, um, that theme because in order for you to be naturally attractive, not, I, mean, I don't mean natural game, I mean naturally attractive in your true self, which, by the way, all true selves are naturally attractive. Just as all children, before society gets them and parents start conditioning them, all children in their natural selves are attractive. Not sexually, hopefully, but charismatically attractive. Just, it's just magnetic watching them. And if you don't like children, that says a lot about how you've been treating your inner child. And that's, I can predict a lot about you if, if that's the case. And I know people like that. I, knew my, I, wasn't, I didn't love little children or even little dogs when I was in my 20s. So I know what that's like to sort of to, to, to be so disciplined on yourself, to condition yourself because you don't like the way that you would be naturally. So you have to shape yourself into a way that's acceptable for primarily for the people that you want approval from your parents, this is your teachers, um, the people who can the gatekeepers. But in order to grow, you've got to let go of all of that because holding on to it is poison. OK, see you in the next video. We're going to take a look.